Great. Well, did you bring your Bible to church this morning? I mean, who even thought to bring this book this morning? I hope you really did. I'm kind of on this Bible, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, I don't know. The excursion? I don't know if that's the right word. But anyways, I'm going to make sure that everyone's bringing their Bible to church. Because I just think that there's some things that we need to always do. Never let fade away. I know it's kind of traditional. It's traditional to just bring your word to church. But I think it's something that we should keep around. I mean, maybe that's just me. It's my opinion. But, um, you know, I think it would be a good thing if we just keep bringing our Bibles to church. And we would just be faithful doing that. Let's not ever get away from walking around with the word of God. But this morning, if you did bring your word, why don't you go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. And as Elizabeth Taylor once said to her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. I won't keep you long. I think that's why people like it when I preach so much, because they know we're going to get out early and we're going to get to lunch. So maybe it has nothing to do with me being anointed or anything like that. Maybe it's just that I'm short. So blessed are the short-winded, right? So... um. Psalm chapter 89, what a great morning it is to be in church, and I'm just so excited to be able to share with you guys, and um, you know, it's been a while since I've had this opportunity, and, um, and so I'm just really, I was really pumped when mom and dad go out of town that I can speak and that I can get this opportunity to share the word of God. I believe God's going to do something awesome this morning, I believe he's going to speak uh, directly to the hearts of some people today, and that uh, some awesome stuff is going to take place. And um, But you know, like I always say when I speak anytime, anywhere, is did you come expectant to hear the voice of the Lord? Did you come expecting to hear God's voice? Because if you don't come expectant, guess what you'll receive? Nada, zilch, and You're not going to receive anything. But if you come into the house of God expecting for him to do something in your life, you will never leave disappointed. I can guarantee you that. So always come into the house of God expectant to hear from him. Ready to receive. I hope you did. I truly hope so. Because if you did come expectant this morning, then this message is for you. You may wonder, uh, you know, where I'm going to go for the first few minutes of this message, but I promise that if you will give me your undivided attention, pay close attention, that uh, it's all going to wrap up and it's all going to make sense uh, somewhere towards the end. But I, I need to lay a foundation as we get started. I need to lay a foundation for what I'm going to be sharing on, because the word that I have for you today is something that is truly near and dear to my heart. It's something that is not only going to change your life, but I think that it can directly affect the future generations of your family. And, um, and I just think that's a powerful thing right there, that as you walk out of here today, this word has the, uh, has the ability to not just transform you, but transform the generations after you. And, um, and I just think that's so awesome that God could give us uh, something in this word that is not just for us, but that we can look, into, look ahead in the future and realize that this, this word is going to change uh, my ancestors. It's going to, or not my ancestors, but those who are going to come after me. And it's going to change my children. It's going to change the way I think, change the way my family does things. And he's placed it all inside of this book. That's why we should never, ever come into the house of God with having, uh, without having carrying this around. And um, so here we are in Psalm 89, verse uh, verse 28 is where we're going to begin. And I'm reading from the NIV. I believe it's going to be overhead, uh, but I believe it's going to be in the New King James overhead. But uh, starting in verse 28, look at this. It says, I will maintain my love to him forever. This is God speaking to David. And my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. 
If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. I want to speak to you this morning uh, just for a few minutes on the subject of a covenant of sure mercy. A covenant of sure mercy. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. A covenant of sure mercy. You know, the Bible says about Solomon, that when Solomon built the temple, that the equivalent of finance that it would take for us today to build that building would be somewhere between 85 and $100 billion. That was the temple that Solomon built, somewhere between 85 and $100 billion. The Bible says that the temple of Solomon was so magnificent that it took 1,017,000 talents of silver and 108,000 talents of gold. Now here's what I want you to get about the temple this morning. Is that when Solomon built that temple, that temple that would cost us, you know, somewhere in American money today, $100 billion. I mean, come on guys, talk about a tax raise now. $100 billion to build this thing to the Lord. But what I want you to understand is that the Bible says that his father David had stored up, had laid up, one million of the million seventeen thousand talents of silver, and that David had laid up one hundred thousand of the hundred and eight thousand talents of gold. His father had laid up and had stored up for the son. Can you imagine? Can you imagine just how easy, how much more easy it was for Solomon to build this temple because his father has already laid up and stored up a significant, enormous amount of money. You know, we all, we, all, we all look at the Word of God and we, and we know that Solomon was the one who built the temple. And a lot of us, without having studied, would just think, man, here's this guy. He must have had the fundraising down. He must have had the building down. And he got it all taken care of. But what we need to realize is that it was his father, David, who had stored up the majority of that cash. Who had, who, he already stored up and laid up what Solomon needed to complete, uh, to complete what was destined in his life to do. He was destined to build this temple to God. Can you imagine how easy it was? But as, as great as the financial contribution uh, that David left for his son and his family, as great as that was, he left an even greater contribution to them. He left a spiritual legacy. He left a sure covenant of mercy. He left a covenant of mercy to his sons. He stored up, and maybe you've never even thought of this, or maybe you've never even heard of this before, but it is possible, and I'll show you today according to Scripture, it is possible that we can lay up, store up mercy for the next generation. That we can store that up. God says we can store up mercy for the next generation. It is, it is possible that I can, myself, I can, I can store up, I can lay up, I can, I can stack up mercy for my kids. I can stack up mercy for my children. You know, that their life can be blessed because of my life. That because I've made a covenant with God, it will affect my seed. The covenant that I have made will affect my seed. It will affect the generations to come. You see, concerning our children, we have the power to do two things. One of two things, either lay up blessings of mercy or curses of iniquity. 
We have, we have the power to do two things, blessings of mercy or curses of iniquity. I believe that, you know, with all my heart, I want my life to be a stepping stone and not a stumbling block to the next generation. I want them to be able to, to step on top of me and, 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 and leap forward. You know, I believe with all my heart that, that it is not just about where I'm at, but, but you should grab the next generation and you should sling them forward. I believe that that's what we're to do. That that's what we're to do. And you can lay up mercy for the next generation. You know, as Bethany and uh, as we're, you know, recently married and we're just thinking about future and we're thinking about all this kind of stuff and, and, and we're thinking about, you know, having kids, you know, in the next couple of years, you know, hopefully no time soon, you know. Um, but as we're thinking about all these things, you know, I want my kids to make it to heaven, you know, uh, part because of me and not in spite of me. I want them to make it to heaven because of me in a way and not just in spite of me. You know, I believe that we should not, uh, or I believe that we should all reach a place in life where we're not just judging success by the money in the bank or by the fame or by the cars or the, or the property or by how many people know your name. But we, if we're going to start judging success, if that's what we want to do, then we need to start judging, judging it by are my children serving God? Are my children in the house of God? Are my children worshipers? Are, are, are the ones coming after me in the house of God, are they found in God's word? If, if we want to judge success, then that's how we should start judging it. Don't judge it by the cars, by the money. All that's worthless. Are my kids serving God? You know, speaking as a youth pastor, I can say this, having, having sat down with, with some young people and, and just heard about, you know, the problems that, that maybe they're having in school or just in life. You know, young people today in this generation, they got enough to overcome in this world without having to overcome you. They got enough to overcome. My kids, when they come along, they're going to have enough to overcome without having to overcome their dad. But it is possible for us to lay up, to store up mercy. You know, I, and I can say this, not, not at all bragging on myself, but I'm just going to brag on my mom and dad right now. And they're away, and if they want to hear it, they can grab the, the CD later. But, um, but you know, o- over the years, since they were about my age, and, and they started having children, and they had me, and, and, and a couple years later, they had Tyler. And as they were young and married and, and just searching out what God wanted for their life, they had to... They came to a lot of crossroads over the last 20 years of ministry, and they've come to a lot of crossroads and uh, and a lot of decisions and and just things where it's like, do we go on with what we know is truth? Do we go on with God, or do we keep the paycheck? Do we keep the do we do we do we stay safe? And over the years, you know, uh, you know, people who have been around them, you know, whether they've said positive things or even those who have said negative things, and they've come against uh, maybe some decision that, that they've decided to make, or or maybe they just feel like, you know, pastor ministry's not, it doesn't have to be that hard, and we don't really have to live a lifestyle like that, and, and whatever negativity has come against them, I can say this, their kids are serving God. Their kids are serving God. My, my, you know, I, no, and then this is not bragging on me, but I'm serving God. And Tyler, he's off in school learning about the ministry, serving God. And even Kaylin, as young as she is, she's in the house of the Lord and she's a worshiper. And she loves Jesus and she loves talking around the house about, about new stories and about, about things that God did in the Bible. And, and we're serving God. And you know what I've come to realize is that if you want to know something about a person, if you want to know what goes on behind closed doors, you just got to look at their kids. If you want to know what happens behind closed doors, because do people sometimes put out, put off a front in, in, in the public eye? Do, do people sometimes put up a front? Yeah, they do. Do people sometimes manipulate a, a certain situation to, to look a little bit better? Yeah, people do that. Do, do pastors even sometimes, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, put up a front and, and try to act like their world is, is all together? Yes, they do that. But if you want to see what happens behind closed doors at home, 
and the character of that family, all you got to do is look at the seed. All you got to do is look at the kids. Are the kids serving God? If we want to start judging success, you know, there's pastors out there today who are, uh, you know, who are, who are making, who are making a lot of money and their churches are growing and that's awesome. And if they're reaching people, then that's a great thing. And if people are coming to God, that's an awesome thing. But they're doing all this stuff and people say, man, that guy is successful and he's doing amazing things. But meanwhile, his kids are living like hell. His kids are living like hell because it's not just about where you are today. Success is not just about you doing it. Success is about you passing it on. And there's people out there today who are judging success by, uh, you know, like, if, for instance, pastors. Then there's pastors out there today judging success by, is my church uh, a mega church? Is my worship making CDs? Is my, do we have 50 campuses? And, and, and that's all great stuff if it's, if it's building the body of Christ. But I'm just saying, if we want to look at the individual, are the generations after them serving God? Is something being passed down? Because the success is not success if it just stays. It's success when things get passed down. And like, like I said, it's not just about money and cars. It's about a spiritual inheritance that we're talking about today. How are we judging success these days? It's time we start looking away from the physical inheritance and we start looking at who is leaving a spiritual legacy. Who is leaving a spiritual inheritance? We as the, as the people of God, as the body of Christ, this should be the most important thing to us. This should be what we concentrate the most on is are our children, are the generations receiving a spiritual inheritance. You know, and as I, as I looked through Scripture and as I was preparing, you know, there is no question that we are able to lay up either spiritual equity or iniquity for the next generation. There's no question. That can be proved. And right now as I speak to you, you are either laying up equity or iniquity. You are either laying up spiritual equity or spiritual iniquity for the next generation. The choice is yours. And if you will, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. There's a, a few more verses I want to read read today. But in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the word says, You shall not bow down or serve them, speaking of idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children of the third and fourth generations. You see, there is something about iniquity that can be passed up. That can be passed on and passed down. You know, you've heard it said before, um, you know, someone, someone saying, you know, well, it's in his blood. Oh, well, that's just in his blood, you know, and, and they speak that, you know, concerning, you know, maybe, maybe a child who's, uh, who's unruly and maybe, you know, getting into stuff and, and getting into alcohol and, and things like that. And someone just looks and says, oh, well, you know, that's in his blood. And, and that is a direct reference to the fact that there are bends, there are tendencies. Uh, you, you know, if a father had a problem with alcoholism, sometimes it, it just easily translates to the next generation. If a father, you know, has a problem with, with anger and abuse, sometimes that thing can be translated and, 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 and raised up in the next generation. And, um, and you know, sometimes even, even, even divorce, when divorce happens, sometimes uh, it, it can happen, you know, seemingly even more easily in the next generation, that thing can come in. And, and it's just like, you know, it's just like that. And those things can take place and be passed down. And people just say, you know, well, it's in his blood and it's, well, that's just how he is. And, uh, you know, like father, like son. And we carry that curse along in life. We carry that thing. We carry that thing, that generational curse, and it's all because we have the power to pass down iniquity. 
We have the power to pass down iniquity. And you know, you don't even have to be a church-going person to have said that before. Oh, well, that's just in his blood. You see, even people who don't know anything about God, don't know anything about a generational curse and those kind of principles, they'll say that. Oh, well, it's in his blood. Because even they recognize that something in the Father has been passed down to the child. They don't recognize all the spiritual things that are taking place, but they recognize that if, if, uh, if a mother and father were a certain way, then chances are it's going to be reproduced in their kids. But it's a spiritual principle. You can pass down iniquity. Are, are you getting some of this yet? Is it making sense? You can pass it down. Every deed produces a seed. Every deed produces a seed. Everything I do is not just about me. It's not just about the here and now. Every deed produces a seed, and that seed will be passed to the next generation. Everything I do in my young life right now, without, without even having kids on this earth, everything I choose to do today is producing a seed that will be affected and reproduced in the next generation. But, you know, it's not all negative. It, yes, if you go over here and you fool around in some, in some immoral stuff, can that be passed along? Yes. But at the same time, if you choose to be found in God, and you choose to be found in the house of God, and, 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 and choose to be found as a worshiper, those things too can be passed down to the next generation. Good or bad, right or wrong, every deed produces a seed. But you know, as I was studying, I found some really unusual scriptures. I found some really cool stuff. And, um, and I want to share it with you. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 18, one translation said it like this. It said, your wickedness will be rubbed in your face by your kids. Your wickedness will be rubbed in your face by your kids. Hello? Did you hear that? That, that verse scares me. That, that the very thing that I hate about myself could be reproduced and rubbed in my face by my kids. The very thing that I struggle with the most, that I hate, that I wish would, would never come up again, that very thing, that very wickedness could be reproduced in my children. That verse scares me. And then in Job, chapter 21, verse 19, it said, God lays up one's iniquity, speaking of the evil man, for his children. That was found in Job, that God lays up one's iniquity for his children. But here is one that really blew my mind in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14. It said, children ought not to be laying up for their parents, but parents should be laying up for their children. Did you know that was in your Bible? Did you know that was there? Paul was saying when he wrote this that it is possible for you to lay up mercy, for you to lay up grace that will be reproduced in the next generation. That will cover your children. That will cover the next generation. You know, in Proverbs, most of us, uh, we know that it says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. We all know that it says that. And a lot of times, you know, we've reduced that to the car and the house and the property. And that's just the things that we think about. But, you know, for me, one day... You know, my parents, and, and you know, praise God, I, it'll be after they've just lived a long and awesome life in the ministry and years and years down the road. But one day, when they're taken away to be with the Lord, you know, they might not leave me with millions of dollars. They might not leave me with a ton of property. But bless God, they've left me with a spiritual inheritance. They've left me with a covenant of mercy. A covenant of mercy that will cover my life, that will cover the generations after me. They've left me with that. And many of you, you know, you guys, you know my parents' stories. And so this isn't going to be anything necessarily new to you. But, um, but you know, when my parents, when they were in, in California, and they pastored in a church in California, in a denominational church, actually. Uh, and, and, you know, a time came, and, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they had to make a choice right then and right there. 
Do we go on with this gift? Do we exercise uh, th- this new revelation of the Holy Spirit? Do we exercise this thing or do we shut it up and keep the house and keep the paycheck? There, there came a crossroads and they had to make a decision. And praise God, they made, they made the right decision and they chose that we're going to go forward with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That decision caused them to have to move back to Spartanburg, South Carolina and, and had to live with my grandparents. That's what that decision cost them. Here they are with two small kids, me and Tyler, moving all the way back across the country because they had to make a decision of whether they were going to go forward in God. And that decision cost them the job, cost them the house, and they had to move all the way back across country to live with my grandparents. And I can only think, you know, after, you, after you've gotten out on your own, having to go back, it, it kind of feels like, man, I'm failing at this thing. You know, here I am, I'm young, and, and I'm trying to get started, but here I am, and I'm failing at this thing. And I can't even imagine what they thought as they're traveling 3,000 miles across country to live with my grandparents. And that's, that's what they were forced to come to. But, you know, my dad, he didn't even have some big job waiting on him back here. He, you know, Evangel Cathedral wasn't even, wasn't knocking on the door yet, and he, he didn't even know what to do. And so, you know what he did to make money? He went and he sold suits at J.C. Penney. That's what he did. He went and he sold suits at J.C. Penney. Here's a guy full of a prophetic gift, full, full of this awesome, amazing, uh, you know, Holy Spirit who, who's just stirring in him. He's ready to preach the word. He's going to be a powerhouse for the kingdom, and he's selling suits in JCPenney. He's selling suits. What, it, it looks like what a huge detour. But it was all because he chose. You know, the money, the house, isn't worth me not being able to leave a spiritual inheritance for my family. There comes a time where you're going to have to make a choice. There's, there's going to be a choice involved with leaving a spiritual inheritance for your family. My paycheck isn't worth my family's spiritual inheritance. And, you know, here I am today, and, and, and you know, by and large, I'm really blessed. And, and, you know, my brother's blessed, and my sister's blessed, and I'm blessed in my new marriage. And I've been able to study and, and, and go away to Australia, and that was an amazing trip. And, and life so far has been relatively pretty easy going. But, you know, I believe my being blessed and favored is a direct response of my parents having laid up and stored up mercy for me. Having already made decisions, having already done the right thing at the crossroads, they were laying up and storing up mercy for me. Whether they even knew it or not, they were storing it up. It's response to them storing up, laying it up, blessing for the next generation if you're in this place right now and you know somewhere in your family you got a praying relative then you need to thank and give god praise every day because someone has laid up and stored up mercy for you someone's laid it up for you if you had a praying granny you know years and years down the road she laid up mercy for you she laid it up You know, listen to this, the promise that God made to David, listen, he said, if your children commit iniquity, I will punish them with the rod. But listen, he said, but I won't treat your children like I treat other people's children. That's what he was saying. You know, if I didn't live personally, Clay, if I didn't live for God for any other reason, I would live for God for my kids. I would live for God for my children, that I might be able to store up mercy for them. If not for any other reason, I would do it for my babies. God's not going to treat your children. When you enter into a covenant with the Lord, he won't treat your kids like he treats other people's kids who have no spiritual heritage. 
That's the promise that he made to David. You know, if, they, if your children go off and they start partying, if they start going wild and, and doing drugs and sleeping around, David, I'm not going to treat your kids like other people's kids. I'm not going to let your children get by with what other people's kids get by with. You know, there came a time in high school and I was in about the 10th grade and I decided I was going to rough up my image a bit. I decided I was going to, you know, be a bad boy. Maybe, you know, get a, get a girlfriend and things like that because girls like the bad boys. And I decided I was going to start hanging out with, uh, with some of the rougher boys, try to rough myself up, rough my image up. And so I started hanging out with this group of guys and my mom had already warned me. It's amazing. The wisdom of a mother. Who would have thought? But here I am and she already warned me. Not to be hanging out with this group of boys, but I decided that I knew best. And so I started hanging out with these guys and, um, and come to find out they were into stealing and they were into drinking and they were into all this kind of stuff. And they had never been caught doing any of it. But wouldn't you know, the one day I told my mom, I said, Mom, I said, Mom, I'm going out to hang out with some guys. She said, Clay, it better not be so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, mom, Mom, no, you know me. No. And so I walk out the door, ball face lie to her. I meet up with these guys. We go down to the mall. We weren't at the mall an hour until we're walking out in handcuffs, put in the back of a cop car. All because one of the guys decided he wanted a wallet from Belk and he didn't want to pay for it. And because I was in that group, I took the trip down to Lockwood with them. And the whole way down, the cop thought he would be really funny. And so he turned on, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? And I'm back there sitting just, I'm trying to think, what am I even going to say? I'm so dead. I am so dead. And you know why? You know why that took place? It was all because my parents messed me up. It was all because they messed me up. Those boys had never been caught. But the day I decided to go with them, was the first day we all get caught. You know, I want to say to every young person in here that if you have a praying relative anywhere, then you are ruined. You are ruined. That's why you don't fit in. That's why you always get caught because someone has a covenant of mercy that has marked you. It has marked you. It has messed you up. It's absolutely messed you up. And if you try to get into that immoral stuff, you will hate it. It will eat you up and you will be miserable there. Absolutely miserable. Because somewhere, some, someone in the line has laid up and stored up a covering of mercy and grace over your life. God is not going to let you get by with what other people get by with. He's not going to do it. The covenant will not allow you know, here, I hear people partially quote, you know, Hosea, you know, 4.16, when it says, my people perish because of their lack of knowledge. But you need to read the rest of the verse that goes on to say, because you have rejected the law and my word, I will forget your children. Because, you for, because you've rejected the law and forgotten my word, I will forget your children. You better love, you better love this word like you love your kids. You better love it like you love your kids because God has said that if your kids mean anything to you, then this book better mean something to you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if you forget my word, I'll forget your kids. That's why every day you need a time of prayer and a place of prayer. Every single day you need a place of prayer. Do not forget the word. 
And as you do that, as you're doing this, as you're stuttering, studying this book, it's not just praying for the here and now, but you are storing up and laying up mercy for the next generation. Every time you open this thing up, every time you pray and seek God, you are laying up mercy. Whether you knew that or not, that's what you're doing. You're laying it up. You're storing it up for the next generation. Mercy that they will never be able to get away from. They'll never be able to get away from it. If you forget the word, he'll forget your next generation. Now, that's all the bad side. Can we say amen? That's, that's all the rough stuff. But can we get to some of the good stuff now? Can we get to the good side? Listen to this. Psalm 103, verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to them who fear him and to his children's children. How many of you would say, I fear God in this place? I fear the Lord. I have, a, I have a, a sincere fear of the Lord. I'm not afraid of him, but I fear him. The Bible says that if you fear the Lord, then the covenant was established for you. That the covenant is established for you. How awesome would it be for the next generation, uh, for, for us to be able to lay up and to store up, uh, you know, a spiritual legacy that, that, that we've stored up so much stuff that, that the next generation coming would, would be able to more easily fulfill the commandment to in the world they go and preach the gospel. They can, they can even easily more fulfill that thing because we've laid up and we've stored up just like it was so easy for Solomon to build that temple because his father had already laid up and stored up. Spiritually speaking, how easy is it going to be for the next generation to accomplish all that God has for the earth if we lay up and we store up mercy and grace? It'll be so easy. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul is speaking to the youngest apostle. He's speaking to Timothy. And he says, you know, Timothy, all the faith that's inside of you, all the, all the amazing stuff that's taking place inside of you, I saw it first in your grandmother Lois. And I saw it in your mother Eunice. I saw those things, all that faith that's taking place inside of you. I already saw it in the generations before you. And so he's telling Timothy, you know, this thing that you have, young man, it, it didn't start with you. It started with a praying granny. It started with a praying grandma and a praying mother who stored up and laid up mercy for you. And now here you are, and you're some 17-year-old young man, you know, apostle with this anointing that everybody's oohing and on about. But the truth is, is that it is a blessing that is passed down to your life. It's a blessing that has been passed down. It didn't start with you, young man. It started with a generation before you. You know, God, when he made the covenant of mercy with David, you know, you may wonder to yourself, well, did it last? I mean, how, how long are we talking here? You know, how many generations you know, are we talking this, this thing lasts for? Look here. In 2 Kings chapter 11, David has been dead now for 23 years. He's been dead for 23 years. The Bible says that Solomon had married strange women. Strange women. You know, you know Solomon, you know, he was supposed to be the wisest man in the Bible. If Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible, why did he marry 1,000 women? That is dis that, that's disputable. But you know, someone once told me, they said, Clay, you know, Solomon married 1,000 women so that he could come home every day and find one of them in a good mood. I don't know. I just, that's just what I heard. I don't know. I don't know. So David, let's get back on track. David has been dead for 23 years. He's been dead for 23 years. Solomon is married out of covenant and he's worshiping idols. And God says to Solomon, he says, Solomon, I should take the kingdom away from you. I should, I should take it all away. 
But because of your father, David, it says, but I will not do this for David, your father's sake. I should, I should take it away from you. I should pull the rug out from underneath you. But because you had a father who was a worshiper, because you had a father who entered into a covenant with me, a covenant of mercy, I will not take the kingdom away from you. 23 years after David had been dead, Solomon was covered by mercy, by the mercy of his father. He was not judged like other kings were because of the mercy of his father. You know, I could take you to a place in scripture, but because of time, we're not necessarily going to go there. But where David had been dead for 130 years, 130 years, and the Lord still said in those times, because of my servant David, I will show mercy. Because of my servant David, I will show mercy 130 years after he's been dead. 130 years. But listen, I hasten to make this point. I want you to check this out right here. The Bible tells us that there was a time 305 years after David died. The Bible says there was a great, 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 however many great grandson named Hezekiah. 305 years later. Hezekiah, and here he is. Here he is in the story of Hezekiah. It goes like this. Hezekiah is the king and he finds himself surrounded by the Assyrian army and their, and their evil leader, Sennacherib. And he's surrounded and he doesn't know what to do. And he receives a threatening letter from Sennacherib saying that we're going to destroy your nation, Hezekiah. We're going to come in, you know, us, the Assyrian army, we're going to come in, we're going to destroy every man, every woman, every child. But you know what I, you know what Hezekiah does? He doesn't, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't go nuts. He looks at the letter and he holds it up and he says, whoops, wrong address. Wrong address. This isn't meant for me. And you know what he does with that thing? He takes it to the temple and he lays it on the altar. You know, I'll say this to you. Next time you receive a bad report, next time that thing comes in the mail and you look at that medical report and you hold it up, all you got to say to yourself is, whoops, wrong address. This thing wasn't meant for me. This, this, This isn't my problem. This is God's problem. And you take that thing to the altar and you lay it down. It's not your problem. When you're in a covenant with an almighty God, those letters aren't your problem. They're not your problem. So here's Hezekiah, and he takes it, and he lays it down on the altar of the Lord in the temple. And he's there, and he's praying. And the the word says that the prophet of God came in, and he said, he said, Hezekiah, don't you worry about that letter. For the Lord says, because of my servant David, this thing shall not come to pass. It will not come to pass. 305 years after David had died, this thing shall not come to pass because of my servant. And that night the Lord, the word tells us that the Lord sent out an angel that night to the Assyrian camp who slew 185,000 Assyrians in one night, sent the army packing, all because of my servant David. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That here's David. He enters into this covenant with God, this covenant of mercy, not knowing that 300 years later, he would have had a great, 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 great grandson with his back against the wall, with an army threatening to kill an entire nation. But because he had stored up, because he had laid up mercy, the prophet of the Lord came and said, this thing will surely not take place. The covenant of mercy, does it last? Uh, Yeah, I say so. It lasts all because he stored up mercy for the generations to come. The mercy is still proving true. The covenant is still proving true 300 years later. Gosh, that's amazing. 
You see, and here you are today, and you just thought you were coming to church just because it's Sunday, and it's just Sunday morning. You're just coming to church. That's, that's what you do. You are laying up now in this place mercy and grace for the next generation. You're coming along to the house of God. You're laying up. You're storing up. You're stacking up mercy for the next generation. Every time you open the word, every time you pray, you're laying up. You're storing up. 305 years. David had no idea that the covenant of mercy would last that long, but God is faithful in the covenant. You see, we need to quit focusing our minds on the material junk in life. We need to quit judging success by material wealth because there's something that is far more greater that you can store up, that you can stack up. Far more greater than any car, any property, any, any, any waterfront property in Charleston, South Carolina, there is something greater that you can store up for the next generation. We can store something up that lasts a hundred times longer than any money would ever last. You can choose today to enter into a covenant with God that will ensure mercy and blessing and favor for your children and for your children's children's children. It'll last. It'll last. God says it will last. A sure covenant of mercy is available to every person who is willing to enter into what God has set up. You know, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 says this. It says, everyone that is thirsty, come and drink. He that has no money, come and buy without money. But listen to this. It says, for I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. An everlasting covenant, even the sure mercies of David. It says that in Isaiah chapter 55. The covenant of David is mentioned in there. The sure mercies of David. God just said to every person in here that if we are willing to enter in with him, then the same covenant that he made with David, he will enter into with you. The exact same covenant. And as I'm, as I'm bringing it down, I'm going to close with a few thoughts. But, you know, the most important thing in my life is that I want to impart the God of my fathers to the children and to the youth of this next generation. That's, that's the most important thing in my life. You know, when I'm able to, to, to see young people and I'm able to see them, you know, whether it be in Australia or whether it be here in Charleston, and I see young people gathering together in worship in the house of God, yeah, it might look different. It might look different than it did 100 years ago. It might look different than it did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, but it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. You know, Elisha, speaking, speaking of, of the spirit, you know, Elisha died an angry man. Did you know that? Elisha died an angry man. You know, if you know the story about, about the double portion getting passed on, so here's Elisha, and he's following around Elijah. And Elijah is, is, is come to the end of his days and he's about to go on and be with the Lord. And, and if you know the story, you know that, that a chariot of fire came down and just swooped him up and took him up into heaven. And that, and that the anointing that rests on Elijah was to go to Elisha. And so here the chariot comes and it's taken Elijah into the heavens and Elisha looks up at his father and he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And when he said those words, the mantle fell off Elijah. And Elisha went up and picked it up. And the word says that the men that were around said, Surely the anointing that rests on Elijah now rests on Elisha. Surely the anointing has now been transferred. And the double portion has now come upon Elisha. But you know, the funny thing is, is that the anointing that Elisha picked up, that double portion, was not meant to end with him. It was meant to be passed on again. And so here now Elisha is at the end of his life. 
And the anointing was meant, was meant to be passed on to a man named Joash. A man named Joash was to receive this anointing and, and take the mantle off Elisha. And so Elisha is standing there and he's on his deathbed and Joash has now come. And, and Elijah was speaking, or Elisha was speaking to him and telling him to take arrows and to strike the ground. To strike the ground as if it were an enemy. And Joash kind of, you know, picked up a few arrows and he, he kind of had a tap-tap attitude. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't passionate about what he was doing. He was just kind of tapping on the ground. And because he had a tap-tap attitude, the anointing stayed with Elisha. You see, and if you read it, it's, it's really, really interesting because Joash even knew the words to say. As Elisha was dying, Joash looked at him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. You see, he knew the words. He was a smart one. He knew the words to say, but he didn't have the spirit of it. He didn't have the spirit of it for that thing to get passed down to him. And so when Elisha died, the anointing went with him. It left the earth. And I can prove that because the word says that a soldier later on was placed in the grave next to Elisha. And when he was placed there, the word said that his body was revived because the anointing still rested in the body of Elisha. Isn't that crazy stuff? Man, the Bible's full of crazy, wacky stuff. A dead man was revived, being placed in the ground because... He was next to the anointing of Elisha. That's amazing. But it was, pa- it was not passed down because though he knew the words, though he knew the right actions to do, the spirit of the matter was not there. He had this tap-tap attitude. Whereas he should have struck the ground and he should have struck it and struck it and struck it until the, uh, I mean, I don't even know how many times he should have struck it until the arrows, I guess, were about broken off. But he just had this tap-tap attitude. And the anointing stayed and was not passed down. Elisha died an angry man. You know, the worst thing that could happen is that you have an anointing, that you have a gift, and that it doesn't get passed down. That's the worst thing that could happen. You know, I I pray that wouldn't happen to any of us. I pray that for myself. God, don't let whatever anointing, whatever gifting rests on my life. Don't let me die with it. Let me pass it, pass it down. Let me enter into a covenant of sure mercy that will pass this thing to the next generation. Success, like I said, success is not you doing it. Success is you passing it on. It's you laying it up and you storing it up. Will you, will you just stand with me? And we're going to close. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not nearly, uh, you know, I guess as winded as my dad can be sometimes, but I hope that you're able to catch some things here today. Do you understand how this word is not just for you where you are right now, but that this word affects your seed? This word affects your children. It affects the generation. It affects the children that aren't even in existence yet. It affects all that. The things you choose to do today, you are either storing up equity or you are laying up iniquity. That's, that, that can be a tough thing. And, and we all understand, you know, it, 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 as you've been to Encounter, like I said, Encounter deals with this stuff way more in depth and, and you can receive, uh, you know, such, such more in-depth teaching, you know, with Pastor and with Tracy. But But the thing you need to understand is that, yes, it is possible to lay up iniquity, but by God, it is possible for me to lay up mercy and grace that will cover, that will cover the generations to come. 305 years later, you know, it's important to note that you can lay up mercy, you can lay up grace that you might never see take place in the next generation. You might never even see take place. You know, I, I guess it's, it's possible you could lay up mercy in your life that might not manifest in your children, but it's going to manifest in their kids. 
That, that mercy could manifest years down the road. You might, you might be going on to be with the Lord, but the mercy you've stored up could manifest just like it did with Hezekiah. Years and years down the road. And you know, you might be in this place today saying, well, good Lord, I hope I don't get what my dad stored up. You know, geez Louise. And you might be saying that and you might not want what your father stored up, but listen, you can start a covenant of mercy right now. You can start it right now. You can break the curse. It doesn't have to pass on any further. So right now, what I want to do is just as we're closing, as we're going to pray, is I want every single person in here who is, let's just say, uh, let's just say 30 years and younger. If you'll just lift your hand by your side, you don't necessarily have to, have to raise it like it's salvation, but just lift it by your side. 30 years or younger. And what I want, it's for those of you who are standing around, if you've been serving God for, let's just say, for, for 10 years now, you've been serving the Lord faithfully. All I want you to do is just extend your hand. You don't have to lay it on the person, but just extend your hand to those younger people. Because what we need to realize is that something is being passed down to this younger generation. Something is being passed down. Some Things are being passed down to me. As I stand up here and speak, things are being passed down and I'm storing up and passing down. We need to understand it's this cycle. It continues. And so what I want to do is for those of you who've been serving God 10 years, just extend your hand and we're going to begin to pray. And as I pray, you just begin to pray, you know, right there by your side and you just begin to pray. And we're going to pray that God would come into this place, that he's going to break the curse. Today, if you so choose, you can break that generational junk that gets passed down and you can start a fresh covenant of mercy today. You can start a fresh covenant of mercy that will last for generations to come. So just you pray right now as I pray aloud. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your spirit and we thank you for your word that has come forward today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break the curse. In the name of Jesus, I break that generational junk that gets transferred, that gets passed down, that iniquity that has been laid up. Father, I break it. It will not go any further. It will not be passed down, Father God. But I say right now that only only blessings of mercy and grace shall go forward to the next generation. Lord God, only blessings of mercy shall cover the next generation, Lord. And Father, Father, we're not, we're not stupid. We repent, Father, from the, from the iniquities that we have laid up, Father, and we call those things back and we send them back to hell from where they came. And we understand right now in this place that we are a people that will lay up, that will store up, stack up spiritual mercy and grace for the next generation. We're going to leave a spiritual inheritance for the next generation. And I just, I, just everyone repeat after me as I, as I pray this. Um, just repeat after me. I choose by an act of my will to enter into a covenant of sure mercy with you, God. I pray that you would bless my seed and favor the generations after me. Lord, I break the curse that follows me. It will end here and not be carried over to my seed. Seal this covenant in my heart, God. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Now you see, what you need to understand, what you need to understand, and like, like I'm telling you guys, if you've never been to an encounter, man, you receive all this kind of stuff at an encounter. And for those of you who have been, you know what it's like. And you know we talk about generational curses and we address issues like this. But you know what? It's one thing to say, oh, the curse is broken, hooray. But it's another thing to walk it out. It's another thing to quit laying up iniquity and start laying up equity. It's, it's a totally different thing to walk that out. 
you can lay up that mercy. You know, if, if you're, and I'm not even looking at anyone right now, but if anyone, if you're into that immoral junk, if you're into whatever it is, alcoholism, uh, abuse, anger, I don't even know what it is, but if you're into it, you can stop, you can break the curse, it can, it can be broken off your life and end with you and not be passed down to the next generation. And you can choose to start storing up spiritual inheritance for your children. It is possible. It is possible that our kids, that the next generation can grow up and be covered by mercy. God won't treat them like he treats other people's kids who have no spiritual inheritance. Amen? Amen. Like I I tell this to our youth every time, you know, I I speak to them on a Sunday night. And all I say to them is, now guys, just walk away and just think about it. Just think about it. That's all I want you to do. Just walk away and think about it. Just mull it over in your mind. What, what, What does this mean? What is God saying to me today? What kind of covenant Am I to enter in with him that can, that can store up a spiritual inheritance for the next generation? Amen? Just think about it. So I'm going to speak a blessing. Father, God, I thank you for every individual in here right now. God, I thank you for their commitment and their faithfulness to the house of God. Lord, I pray that in the short time we've had this morning, God, that something has been deposited, that something has now transferred spiritually. God, that, that we're able to grab hold of something and understand that we can enter into a covenant with you, a covenant of sure mercy in this place, Father. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power it holds. I thank you that it holds the power to break the junk that our ancestors stored up, and it can release the mercy that we're able to store up, Father. God, I thank you for the word. And God, I pray uh, just a blessing and a favor of your people who, uh, who are here this morning. God, that you would keep us safe, that, uh, that you would bring us back in the midweek, that we can pray and that we can seek you um, in our small groups. Father God, it's going to be an amazing week, that, that amazing things are going to take place this week. Like we say every week, Father God, here in the house, that, um, that we're going to receive checks in the mail, that we're going to be blessed, that we're going to be uh, favored um, because we are a faithful people people and we are committed to your cause and i just speak a blessing over every person in here keep us safe in the name of jesus we pray and all god's people said amen amen guys be blessed be blessed and um and uh get into your small groups this week it's going to be an awesome week in the house of god amen